0: Welcome to episode six of Monday Sportive Football Podcast with myself, Alex LeBox and Dan the Ram. Dan, how are you this week?
1: I'm I'm good. Uh, how are you, Alex?
0: Absolutely fine. Thanks, Dan. And in a week where, if we look at the news, Liverpool plan to buy Jude Billingham as a parting gift from the owners. Nathan Jones looks to take over at Southampton. And Maximo Chupumotin may be signing for Manchester United. That's all in the news at the moment. What do you make of those, Dan?
1: Yeah, I think I think the biggest the biggest shock for me is Nathan Jones to Southampton. Um, I think he, he's a good manager. I, I tweeted about it when it came to um, a few of the changes recently yeah. and how refreshing it would be to see a manager who's doing well to to not jump ship now Obviously, Nathan yeah. Jones did jump ship when he got Luton promoted what three or four years ago. Yeah, um, Went to Stoke, didn't do too well. Um, got his break, went back to Luton. And obviously, I think Luton are a very good football team.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're great. Yeah, I watched them play against uh, QPR this season and they absolutely dominated us. You know, they've got a good young squad, haven't they, of players, Luton?
1: Yeah, and it seems to be one of those clubs that managed to keep their players as well. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what whether or not it's a big move I think it's a good move I think Southampton are are an established Premier League club more so than some of the other teams that um seem to have their like managers poached who you know inevitably you're born the you type of clubs like that that are going to be yo-yo teams Southampton have, have established themselves now um however I don't know I think it could work out I just think it's a surprise that he's doing it again yeah um I think Luton have got a chance this year of of you know a playoff spot they're on the cusp of it I think they're in eighth at the moment um and, you know, there's some teams above them that you may, may think aren't going to stay the season. So it's a bit of a surprising one, especially at this stage of the season. But I guess if you are going to change your manager, do it before a two-month spell, uh, not 2 months, uh, a six-week spell for a World Cup.
0: Yeah, and, and, and I think we sort of expected this from a lot of clubs, didn't we, with this gap Coming up with the world World Cup and just just to touch on the note before we move into the full show Monday Sportive listeners, what do you remember about Hassan Hutu most at Southampton? For me, it's the nine nil losses. I mean, those two <laughs> uh, fantastic, you know, uh, nine nil losses were just uh, something else, weren't they? Really, it's unusual to see in the Premier League, uh, and he managed to managed to do it twice.
1: Yeah, I I think I can't. If I'm being honest, I think Southampton probably would think it's been. You know, not maybe not successful, but they're not going really to be unhappy with what what he's done. He's obviously sustained the club at a good level, and you know they've not been in a relegation battle. you are very mid table for the last two or three seasons, so I don't think it's it's been a bad time. I think in their heads they're looking at other clubs that are maybe are kicking on, are looking at you know creeping into that top half, and I think yeah. that they're probably thinking, you know, if we don't if we don't invest with a, a good quality manager and players, that we may find ourselves you know in a standard. Leave it a few years, and then you end up in the relegation scrap, and you know you then find yourself in a position where you 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 have to change the manager anyway, so why not do it now and and see what what happens? In... I just don't think that Nathan Jones is that right person, but
0: it, we shall we shall find out, and it's again uh, another British manager getting a chance and a shot at. Premier League football where we've seen it uh, very recently with Graham Potter at Chelsea we'll come on to that maybe a bit later um, with Chelsea looking extremely ordinary anyway the other news was Liverpool planned to buy Jude Billingham I think it's pie in the sky it's one of those transfer rumours that is obvious Um, we know Jude Billingham has been fantastic at Dortmund is Liverpool the right path for someone like Jude Billingham
1: I think it depends if Klopp stays beyond this season or not. Um I think there's really, really is a a chance if they don't win a single trophy this year. Um and you know they're off off the field issues that have come to light in the last sort of forty eight hours around the, the owners looking for i'm right, to sell or get new investment. Is, is somebody gonna come in and go, right, thank you very much club you you know you've you've given Liverpool the most success they've had in probably thirty years, but we need to go in a new direction now. Or are they gonna say we want you for another three years, give them a new contract. And then say, Here, "Here's your 200 million war chest. Go out and spend it how yeah. you like." I, I think it's a good place for him to go. I think Liverpool's midfield is, is at the point now where they're going to need need a world class midfielder in there. Um, I think Bellingham is is very much at that stage of his career already. Um, <laughs> that, that he's probably one of the best young midfielders, if not one of the best midfielder in in the Bundesliga at the moment. Um, Yes, but how much is that going to cost as well? Is it going to be value for money?
0: Well, yeah, exactly that. And 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 you know, you saying those words, Dan. You know, I believe be- uh, Bellingham is still nineteen years old or, or around that mark, and for him to be one of the best midfielders in the Bundesliga is is quite astonishing, isn't it? And he he still sort of defies all odds, really, with with that sort of um, that sort of uh, prestige at this time in his career, but. Yeah, Liverpool fans, Mond- Monday Sportive listeners, is is Jude Bing- Billingham someone you would like to see at the club? I'm sure it would be. Um, another name that's been touted around just in the news before we move on to the show is Maxime Choupo-Motin. What a player. Um, just for the you know the sheer sense of those Stoke City days to um, PSG. I mean, what a remarkable career that man's had. And, you know, 33 years old, Manchester United supporters. Do you want to see this type of player at the club? I don't know.
1: Where I where is he going to fit in though? Is, I mean, this, this this kind of signing must mean that Ronaldo is going in January mm. um, if they're looking at you know getting a, a journeyman journeyman forward. But I don't know. It just it just screams all clubs seem to do this at the minute, don't they? Like I know a few years ago Higuain came for a, a bit in the Premier League, didn't really do a lot of Chelsea. Like and he, I know he, Higuain's a better player than Chupamoto, but I think that's odd.
0: Yeah, it's very strange. Manchester United seem to be linked with almost anything that moves in the transfer market. Friends of the podcast, Anglo-Italian podcast, host, business nutter. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, what he's got to say about this particular transfer because it just seems... You know, anyone that moves who've, who's over 30 years old gets targeted by Manchester United. It, it's uh, it, it's probably going be, gonna to be quite an expensive transfer as well. But there we go, Dan. That is the news, the hot news at the moment in the world of football. Now, Monday Sportive listeners, we are going to be moving on to talking about the fabulous magic of the cup in the FA Cup. It has kicked off this season. There's already been upsets, Dan. We'll come on to that in a minute. Um, We are going to then speak about the World Cup and the proposed England squad with the uh, inclusions and exclusions that may occur for that. And then we're going to talk about the Premier League, EFL and then, of course, our hot take. So it's a it's a busy show. We're going to try and keep it nice and fluid, aren't we, Dan? Um, Kicking off with the FA Cup and what better place to start than Derby County, the glorious (laughs) Rams. I mean, if you want magic of the cup, there's nowhere better to start, is there, than Derby versus Torquay?
1: No, um, I, I managed to catch a little bit in between uh, being at work on Sunday, so um, I can't say that it was it was a classic game in sense of, uh, one for the purists, however, it's a classic cup tie, Derby 2-0 up, um, and looking very, very comfortable. Yeah. Um, and then we just pulled. We had a, a red card. Uh, I think it was a red card. He's just pulled him down as he pulled his shirt. He's going through. Yeah. Basically, a penalty, and then it's you know all back to the wall for for 20 minutes, and you know 10 men. In the FA Cup. It was minging conditions down there by the fans. Uh, it know, was bad.
0: It was it was diagonal. Biblical rain, that's what I Yes. See.
1: I actually I actually texted my brother who lives in Torquay um, on the morning and said, I have seen rumours on Twitter the game's off. What's the weather like? And he said, Well, it's absolutely vile. We expected thunderstorms this afternoon. So if anything, the best conditions you can get is a, a South Coast game with a wind blowing in and two one with ten men. I think it's it's got everything written onto it. Yeah, um,
0: and it's perfect for that FA Cup magic, isn't it?
1: Yeah, of course it is. I, I think we're gonna beat them in the replay. I think it's the is the next week as well. It's quite a quick turnaround with with all the games that have, have been squeezed in recently, so I do think that um, we, we do beat them quite comfortably at home. Um, but again, who knows? It's the it's, FA Cup.
0: It's the FA Cup indeed, and good good win with that last gasp equaliser. The keeper was up. You know, like you said, those conditions were were you know blustering winds and rain, and uh, yeah, it was one of those fantastic FA Cup moments. Even coming from Dan the Ram, the Derby supporter. Um, the replays coming up, Dan. There's some there's some real tasty replays and some good games for um, some of the lower clubs. You've got Wimbledon versus Weymouth. It's a great tie for Weymouth. Uh, Will generate some money for them. Just some, some other ones I've picked out is Cambridge versus Curzon. I mean, what a fantastic fixture for a team like Curzon. Um, Salford versus Peterborough. The winner goes on to play Shrewsbury in round two. Woking versus Oxford United and Gillingham versus AFC Flyde. I mean, there's some, it, it's the magic of the cup's all there, isn't it, with those types of fixtures?
1: Yeah. I, I was trying to explain to, I watched the draw last night. And I was trying to explain to my girlfriend, you know, this is it. This is the biggest round, really, because if you manage to, you know, you manage, you're a national league or non league side and you manage to scalp a, a League Two team that are probably looking at priorities elsewhere you could be drawing Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea, Man United, yeah, Liverpool yeah. at home, you know, or ideally probably away for the cut of the money um, in the next round. So I think this is, this is a tougher round really um, for, for not only the teams that are looking for that, but the the, the football league teams that, you know, are also some of them are looking for the payday, aren't they? Some of them would want to go to these big clubs. So I think it'll be a really good, really good round of games. Hopefully um, we see some great games like we did this weekend. I think, um my my personal highlight was Chippenham beating Lincoln. Lincoln obviously doing very well.
0: Um yes.
1: ticking along in League One at the moment. And you know, Chippenham Town, who would have thought that?
0: Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic, isn't it? And um moving into round uh, two, we've also got Farnborough through to the next round, having knocked out such an United 2-0. Uh, goals come in, in the 86th minute and the 90, 90 plus six minutes. And again, that's similar to the Derby. I know obviously Derby is still in it, but for Farnborough knocking out Sutton United, that is just fantastic, isn't it? And they've now they're playing Wrexham in Wrexham, um, who actually recorded the highest attendance uh, this, this uh, FA Cup round with 9,113 supporters. It, it's great for Farnborough, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I I just read there it's sixty thousand to get for the win, for getting through this round. Yep, um, and then that doubles if they win their second round. So you know, for some of these clubs, that, that's their, their year sorted, isn't it? Getting through to the third Absolutely. round proper, get a TV game where I think it's <laughs> roughly it's around hundred thousand, isn't it? They get just for being on TV. So ma- massive money for clubs that you know after the COVID pandemic are probably you know, this will sort them out for the next few seasons.
0: Yeah. And, and it's a reason why, I mean, a lot of people call for the FA Cup and say it, there's too many fixtures, either that or the League Cup's got to go. But when when you look into the Cup and you look at, you know, the what we call the magic of the Cup with these lower league teams getting a chance against, you know, league opposition it really can make or break football clubs and for teams like Farnborough we've also got teams Alvechurch who are in the southern premier division they're playing against Forest Green in round two um, you know it it, it does it can make or break these football clubs so it, it's still important isn't it Dan?
1: Absolutely um, I, again this is I'm, I'm a real uh, advocate of the FA club the league the league clubs it's a different argument and obviously Football League Club will moan that they have the Football League EFL trophy as well. Yeah. Um, plus potential playoff games at the end of the season. So some, sometimes, you know, it can get a bit silly in those those situations. But the FA Cup is just one of a kind, isn't it? You know, the fact that your, your local non-league side that, that basically play at the absolute bottom of the pyramid can enter, you know, and can get through to these rounds. It's, it's really something that I think we have to promote. And I think we've almost gone full circle on it. I think the interest in it is now back. Yeah, Um, I do feel for probably about five, six years ago, we probably were looking at saying, "Is it worth it anymore?" Yeah, Uh, but I think a lot of clubs are now paying a lot more respect to it too, especially the Premier League sides.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree. And uh, just to touch on the Derby, Derbyshire links here, Dan, we've got Ipswich Town versus Buxton as well, and I know Buxton, a team from Derbyshire. I mean, again, I know we've just highlighted it with a few of those fixtures, but it just absolutely sums up the FA Cup, doesn't it? That that type of fixture.
1: Yeah, yeah, Buxton. So that's uh, for those those who aren't too sure it is where the water comes from as well. Oh, um, right. <laughs> but it's just a little little town. It's right at the top top end of Derbyshire. Uh, probably I guess actually closer close to Manchester.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I think you know for forever they've just been one of the teams that just playing the regional non-league pyramid um, sort of the, right right down the bottom end. So it would have been quite a nice one to have an old Derbyshire game. Derby actually played Chesterfield, which is the other pro. There's only three, well, two pro clubs in Derby. Yeah, sure sure itself. Um, a few years ago, so it would have been nice to have another old Derbyshire tie.
0: Yeah, um, it would have been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and that's what the FA Cup does, doesn't it? It draws these beautiful fixtures. And Monday, sporty for listeners, we will be touching on the romance of the cup as it goes through each podcast. Um, and we'll be looking at. Like Dan said, when it comes to round three in the Premier League clubs start getting involved, that's when we really start seeing some of those giant killings or certainly the fixtures, don't we? But um, it's all looking very good. And you also learn something new on Monday, Sporty. There we go. The Buxton water, when you buy it in the supermarket, comes from Derbyshire, all courtesy of Dan the Ram. There we go. Anything (laughs) else on the FA Cup, Dan, before we move on?
1: No, no. I'm interested to see what what games are televised for the next round as well, but I guess... A lot of that is dependent on who actually comes through the, the next round of fixtures. So we'll keep an eagle eye out for
0: those. Absolutely. Now, Monday Sportive listeners, we are fast approaching the World Cup. Yes, the World Cup is almost here. Um, Dan, have you got World Cup fever yet? So are you brimming? <laughs> um,
1: no, we had a little chat about it last night, didn't we, Alex? Uh, yep. Although um, due to you know the, the nature of certain things to do with this World Cup, With it being where it is in the winter, um, I probably have not got anywhere near as exciting as what I would for a summer World Cup. However, I am a romanticist for England winning the World Cup or (laughs) any major trophy every single time we play. So, as much as I'm pretending that I don't care, um, I will be blasting out uh, football's coming home on my way (laughs) to work. Every day for the next month, once it starts, most likely.
0: Yeah, I know, and and you know what? It is actually, you know, when we think about it, it's a, it's a strange World Cup for many reasons. We won't drop in on the politics because, quite frankly, we're not that type of podcast. Um, as much as there are lots of contentious issues that need to be raised about where the well where the World Cup is being hosted, let's focus on the football. Like you said, Dan, you know. It is that incurable optimism England fan has with, with lifting a major trophy. We saw it with the women's game. What it does for the nation, what it does, you know, for people's mood. Uh, it was fantastic to see the lionesses lift the Euro Cup. Um, when the England men's team played in Euro Cup, there's no doubt, you know, it, we hit a fever pitch in the UK, and, it, and it's great. It really does lift the spirits. What with everything that's going on in the UK at the moment. Looking at Gareth Southgate at the moment, uh, we jest about D- Gareth Southgate a lot, uh, and we we say that you know he doesn't pick sort of free flowing football sides. He doesn't pick inform players. He does deliver for England, though, doesn't he? We've had a bit of a shocking. Uh, Nation League campaign we, we had some very drastic results but do you think before we go into the sort of predictions of who he's going to take to Qatar do you think Southgate is still the one?
1: I I think England um I think I might have said this on one of our previous episodes I, I think he's almost turned England into a, into a tournament team um, yeah. one of these teams you know the the fright qualification grind the way through don't look anything was relatively boring um you know they put put five goals past you know the teams you'd expect to um yeah. i went to the albania game at wembley you know oh, did you? We, we 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 looked okay that was yeah. about it. it albania you know you expect you expect to win we won quite comfortably um but when we get to a tournament i think we just seem to have that knack the last two tournaments you know we've looked we've looked good we've started well um and then we've just ticked our way through um the biggest criticism everyone seems to have, and I completely get on board with it, is tactically he just seems to not do anything when he needs to. Um, against Italy in the Euro final, the early goal killed us. If we'd scored that goal at forty minutes, I think we go on to win. I don't think Italy were good enough to to do what they did to us. But because we scored and sat back, we let you know a good Italian team just get all over us. And you know, and we get the goal, yeah, um, and then in the extra time, you are thinking. The young players that he brought onto the penalty misses, you know, Rashford, um, Sancho, Saka, who was brilliant for the tournament. Why are you not letting them have half an hour to run, run at his high Italian legs? Like this is this is what these this, this is what these team players do for their own clubs, um, and he sort of you know dri- drove that out of them to the point where you know obviously we took it to penalties and we all know what happened. So yeah,
0: and 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 you, you touched on a point there, there Dan, and I, I think. The England-Italy-Euro game was, it highlighted Gareth Southgate's, I'm not going to say incompetency, that's too harsh, but it highlighted um, that Southgate is a man who doesn't really go for surprises. He doesn't go on the front foot and he doesn't really, you know, he keeps it, he tries to keep things very steady, doesn't he? And we saw that, you know, we took a 1-0 early lead against the Italians who had that beautiful, strong midfield and that experience at the back. Why not, when they were, you know, when they had their back against the ropes, why not go in for the kill? And like you said, put on those fresh legs of Sancho and Saka, you know, and and really go at them and try and get a, a good lead. Because what happened was we kept it steady and the Italians just seeped back into the game like they would... And, exactly. uh, and, and completely dominated us. We allowed them to take grip of the game. But, you know, we, we've spoken extensively about that European final. We are on the verge of Qatar. Let's have a look at what squad goes. I mean, we're not going to run through the whole squad, but let's look at the contentious sort of areas and who should and who shouldn't go. Let's start at the back with the goalkeepers. I mean, just before we move on to that, are we saying Jordan Pickford, Aaron Ramsdown, Nick Pope?
1: Yes, exactly who yeah. I've got raised down. Um, Dean, Dean Henderson is he, not, not a top six Premier League goalkeeper, let alone an international um, goalkeeper. There's no way that he, he goes. And behind that, I think we spoke about it when we were panicking about Pickford, who, who is going to be that, that third choice. But I think with him coming back, you know, Newcastle looking excellent, um, and defensively very sound. Um, and I think Ramsdale's undoubtedly your number two as well. So, yeah, no, no questions about those three for me.
0: Yeah, and and, and you touched on Henderson there. We we all know what Henderson is capable of. Um, I I think he was hoping to be in the Manchester United squad this season. Um, It's a a wonder why he's not in and around the squad, sort of learning off of goalkeepers like De Gea. But he's gone to Forest and he's getting a bit of a batter in there, isn't he? And it it seems to have chinked his uh, confidence, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I watched him on... The, the highlights from the game on Saturday against Brentford. Um, he obviously, there's a contentious penalty. I think you can make arguments for so yes and no, but his, his reaction after, he sh- he's looking not to be sent off. Um, yeah. I think he's too hot-headed. It um, reminds me a little bit of Joe Hart um, in the terms of his reactions when things aren't going his way in. You know, we saw with Joe Hart in, in Euro 2016 you know against Iceland, losing his head, yeah. losing his cool. It's not something you can do at the, the top, top level. So I, I don't see him getting anywhere near the England team.
0: Yeah, and we know Southgate goes with Pickford. For me personally, I would be going with Aaron Ramsdale. Obviously, the form of Arsenal this season has helped him. Um, you know, if it, if it was me picking, I'd I'd have Rams Ramsdale, Ramsdale between the sticks. I think Pickford, as much as he can be a match-winning goalkeeper with saves, he just seems a bit hot-headed. But... Yeah,
1: I, th- I think it's as well. You're looking at the teams that are going to go deep in a tournament. Brazil have got probably the two best goalkeepers in the world. Yeah. Arguably, Germany have got two of the best goalkeepers in the world. You know, we're we're a little bit off some of the the, the top teams when it comes to our goalkeepers. Yeah. Um, so I don't really have a problem with any three of them starting, to be honest.
0: Now, what we're going to do, we're not going to run through the whole squad that should be going, because that would take uh, a long time and it'd be quite boring, wouldn't it? I think so, that's a
1: whole podcast on its own, isn't yeah, it? Exactly. <laughs> so let's
0: have a look at some of the players on the outside. Let's go from goalkeeper, goalkeeping position to defence. I mean, for me, a standout, Dan, you can uh, add a few yourself, is uh, Ben White at the back. Yeah, um, I've got
1: Ben White in mind. I mean, um...
0: if we're talking about a utility player, he, he's able to play that sort of centre-back position and he also can cover in midfield as well county uh, For me, it's a no-brainer, but he has been overlooked for the entirety of the uh, Nations League campaign. So it's it's a strange one with him and Gareth Southgate, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I've got I've got him uh, in. However, it's for me, it's between him and, and a forward that we get on to when we get on there. Yeah, Um, I think he's got he's got a chance to go. Depends how many defenders he wants to take. Yeah. Um I would take him personally um, at the expense of the forward that I will discuss later on. Um, another one for me that has to go is Tomori, uh, Fiaco Tomori uh, in AC Milan. I don't believe where we can leave him at home. Um, he again, he's, he's if Carl Walker isn't going because of injury, that might that might be a reason why he doesn't go. You've got no pace at the back. Yeah, that's covering the middle. Fiacco Tomori is probably the quickest centre
0: half in Europe, so um, it's a no-brainer for me that he has to go. So just a quick one. You touched on Fickeo uh, Ficco to, to I, I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, personally, I would put him straight into the squad without any doubt. He, he's having a, a good season with AC, a struggling AC uh, Milan team this season. Um, the the issue with Tamori, I, I I wouldn't have any issue playing him. But we know look we know what Southgate's like. He was watching the AC Milan Chelsea game when Tamori got sent off with 18 minutes into the game. Is that something that Southgate would look at and it would hamper his chances?
1: You like to think not because, you know, the sort of players that 100% will be going have have had those kind of problems themselves as well. Um, You know, Maguire's going to go and he's not played much football at all, which I actually personally think will go in England's favour that he's not played as much football. Um, just on the basis that he he can't go in with no confidence because he's not been playing. Um, wow. <laughs> but yeah, for, for me, it would be 100% Tamori if Walker is injured and doesn't make it.
0: Yeah, and and you, you might know a little bit about Tamori because he was on loan at Derby. Yeah, he and, got and, and, leader, yeah, And let's face it, Dan. Who wasn't on loan at Derby uh, in that season? <laughs> um, but um, did, did you see at those early stages that there there was definitely a you know a player in there?
1: Yeah, so he got his opportunity. Curtis Davis did his uh, ACL and was was out for the season. Um, so, Tamori struck up a partnership with Richard Keo. Yeah. Um, and, you know, part of the reason I think we got to the player final was the ba- that, that partnership. Um, Tomori scored scored a few goals. He was excellent. Um, he's so quick that, you know, when he was, he's obviously younger and inexperienced, but when he wouldn't make a mistake, he'd just turn around, put a th- what, 10, 15-yard sprint in and win the ball back. Like, that's how good he is. So, yeah. I imagine, I imagine, you know, if you put him back in the championship now, he would look like an absolute world beater. So, I, I, I think he has to go. Um, the only risk I think England have got is there's no depth in in the, in the left back. I've only got myself. Is, is Luke Shaw going?
0: Yeah. Are you not sure he will go?
1: No, no. I think he'll go, but I, I think who who we, I don't think we'll be taking a, a, a second left back.
0: No, 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 no. I I I doubt that as well because he he does try and play uh, the wing back positions at times, doesn't he? With three at the back. Um so it will be interesting to see how he what what he does with that. Who else would he take on the left side with uh Reese be... James and Ben Chilwell were both out injured, aren't they?
1: Yeah. I think I think he potentially would be looking. Uh, and he, I might get shut down for having this opinion, but I think he might be thinking that Saka could play the wing-back role if, if need be.
0: Yeah, and, and we have seen him play that role before, haven't we? So, yeah, I think I've... when he
1: first came through, was that he came through as a wing-back, didn't
2: he? So, yeah,
0: so yeah, it's it's not altogether a bad opinion there down the ram. Um, Just to move things forward slightly. Now, one player who I think should definitely be on the plane, it's been very, very much a contentious and debatable issue over the last... Month, I would say, is the in-form James Madison in midfield. Um, he's literally dragging Leicester out from the depths of the Premier League by himself, isn't he? Um, he he's got to go, hasn't he, Dan?
1: Oh, oh he—he's probably starting for me as well. Um, I watched watched the Everton game at the weekend, um, and he just ran the show. Yeah, he—he um, he was the best player on the pitch. Um, and the, if he—if he doesn't go, then I think. That is the first question that has to be asked of Southgate. I think if you're looking at players that play that position, um, he can play anywhere. I think you um, can play central midfield, the ten, any of the front, you know, the front two wide positions. If we do go with that, yeah, um, you know, he's he's better than Grealish, in my opinion. Anyway, he's a footballer. I don't think. Well, Gr- that, Grealish
0: that... hasn't been playing, has he? He's not. he's, no, he's not no. a look.
1: And and I think Grealish will go. And that's the most frustrating part about all this, is that Grealish, since he got into the England team, since he moved to Man City, he's just not done it. Nice. No. Whether that's, he's not as good as he thinks he was. He struggled struggled with a step up to play with uh, the way that Pep wants to play with those players. But for me, Madison is 100% going, um, going to have to go to the World Cup. Um, I've got six midfielders down. And one of those midfielders, I think, due to Calvin Phillips being injured and not, not likely to go, um, is going to be James Ward-Prowse.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think James Ward-Prowse um, should, would, will almost definitely go. Um, he's only got 11 caps for England, which was surprising. I, I thought he would have won more um, than that at this, at this stage in his career. But um, no, I, I agree with that James uh, Ward-Prowse going. You, you touched again, I mean, these Manchester City players, we knew it would be an issue, but you talk of Calvin Phillips, he just hasn't played any football, the same as Grealish. And for my mind... There's, there's no way they should be anywhere near this England team. For, for me, it, going into a World Cup, it's always about taking form players. And James Madison is certainly one of them. Um, just as before we touch on the forward line, there's a couple of players, Dan, just on that note in terms of form. Jordan Sancho and Jared Bowen. Now, Jordan Sancho, he is just so hot and cold, isn't he? I mean, one minute he's looking every bit worth that 76 million pound move from dortmund the next week he's looking like a you know a prospect who could come good isn't he
1: yeah he, he can't go to the world cup this time around um you know he he played his way in by his form in dortmund yep. into the euro squad last year um, no doubts about that however you you can't you can't not be playing in form i, I still think um moving into the forwards that Rashford is he, going to be the player that I think is going to be make or break. I think he may miss out, if I'm honest, mm. um, just on the fact that you're looking at, you know, that's, that was a player that I was referring to when I was talking about Ben White. Yeah. Um, you know, Jared Bowen, good player, not not for me. Um, I think you've got to take two two straight out nines. Um yep. And for me, it's going to be Kane and Tony. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then beyond beyond that, Sterling's going to go, isn't he? I think you know he's a, he's a Southgate favourite. I think he's a good, good enough to go still.
0: Yeah, um, it, he he is certainly one of those tournament players, isn't he? he? He's he's done it at the Euros. He's done it in the Premier League for a, a number of successive years. That's why you have to sort of look at Sterling and say, you know, when you put it all down on paper, he just has to go. And uh, ju- just another fringe player looking at at that is Tammy Abraham, who had a fantastic season last year with Roma, uh, lifting that Europa Conference Cup. But he hasn't seemed to be firing the same this season in Italy, which is a bit concerning. it may lose him his place, mightn't it?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think he, I mean, you can make the same argument with Chris Morland. He's probably been one of the most consistent Players in Europe, um, yeah. in his position, but I, we we all know he's not going to get the call up. Um, I, I do I do think that it would be between Tony um, and Abraham. Um, yeah. I think Callum Wilson could also be an outside shout.
2: Um, yeah, yeah.
1: But I, th- I think that you you know to- Tony Kane and Abraham are very similar style in, in terms of the way they play. Um, I think Cal- Callum Wilson's a little bit different. I think you know we know Southgate likes to play his rigid system. Um, And I think those players fit better. And I think you're the forward that's going to go with Saka, which for me, if on on what we've discussed and and pretty much both said, that it would be Rashford that misses out.
0: Yeah. And and you, you touch on the man, Ivan Tony. I love Ivan Tony. I think he's an absolutely fantastic football player to watch. Um, not none more so than if you look at his penalty form 26 out of 27, and that includes his last 22 he's actually put away. He knows how to strike a ball. I think Ivan Tony should be on the plane. I made a hot take last week that he would be England's top uh. scorer in the competition with five goals. There we go. I've said it. I've said it. Um, Callum, Callum Wilson, uh, we move on to Callum Wilson. The only issue that shadows Callum Wilson, and we all we all know it, is the injury list, isn't it? It's just that also, you know, that's what's going to kill him. I we think. look at we look at calf injuries, hamstring, cruciate ligaments. Uh, the other week he came off with um, I think he had some sort of uh, fever. Um, with Gareth Southgate watching that game, it just doesn't help him. He's on fire with Newcastle at the moment. I would love to see him go, but it's just it puts his position in contention, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and I just don't think he's going to risk it. I don't. You can't have any players that are going in. That's why I don't believe that Walker will go. Um, I don't think that Calvin Phillips will go because he can't go there. And as soon as you get there, you get an injury, and then you're down to twenty-two. Like it makes no sense. I think we sort of, we've seen it previously, haven't we? With when England have had world-class players like Beckham and Rooney going, and with that at Arsenal. you would risk it because it's a you know what you're getting. You are getting some of the best players in their position in the world. You're not going to do that with somebody that's going to, potentially won't even just kick a ball in a tournament to, to risk, agree, risk yeah. it. So, absolutely so, agree, Dan. So, all things said, like, with you know over the England team, for me, it is going to be Marcus Rashford that is going to miss out completely.
0: Well, there we go, Dan. You have said it is Rashford go into the world cup there's so many questions to be had in there um the squad is the 26 man squad is going to be announced um later on this, this week i believe so uh, dan the ram um, monday sport teeth listeners that was the roundup we may have a little bit more world cup chat later on in our hot takes but we are going to take a short break before moving on to the premier league let's go dan yeah. Right, Monday, Sport Teeth listeners, that was a catch up of the FA Cup glory and also a look at the England squad that is potentially going to the World Cup. We are now moving on to the Premier League. Dan, it's been uh, a roller coaster of a time for the Premier League. Everyone's been racing towards this World Cup break, but um, it's been quite interesting this week. And where are we going to start with you?
1: So my, my pick of um, the Premier League for this week is going to be Leeds United.
0: Leeds United, yeah.
1: Um, probably the game of the weekend um, in, the, in the fixture round just gone uh, was their victory at home to Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, going from 3-1 down to winning 4-3. Yeah, um, Goal frenzy. Um, just a very, very entertaining football team to watch.
0: Yeah, and can can we please talk about? I'm going to pronounce his name, Crescentio Somerville.
1: I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean,
0: I mean, let's talk about this player because what a week in football he's had for the 21 year old.
1: Oh, just just ridiculous. Really, I I I had to do a bit of research on him, you know, just just to talk about him. And yeah, he he actually signed to Leeds at the start of last season. Right, um, and obviously, didn't I, I've not heard of him really, and so he's he sort of breaking out this year. Yeah, of um, sure Legion United fans would probably be able to fill us in a little bit more on that. Anyone that's listening, yeah, has um, got anything to tell us about him? But he just seems to just be uh, an absolute superstar. Um, yeah. the, the, the way he plays, his movement um, on the ball, both feet, everything about him. It, when you think of a winger, and you know, he he seems to be to be a bit of an out and out winger. Um, he seems to have it all. Um, he got a great goal um, on Saturday. He was involved in all the all the build up for all of the Leeds goals as well. I believe. Yep. Um, Dutch in the twenty one international. I'm not sure that he's made his his full team debut yet. But I mean that that can't be far away.
0: No, and, and you're right in saying there, Dan. Um, I believe. Um... Doing a little bit of looking into, into Somerville. He was a Feyenaard uh Feyenoord uh, youth product and he was taken into the Leeds Academy, is is my understanding. But he's certainly come in with a bang, none more so than that game against Liverpool. Um I mean touching on Liverpool as well, just with this game in particular, what's going on with them this season?
1: Oh, just it well, we'll find we'll find out. Uh in a few days' time, after after Derby knocked them out of the uh, the League Cup, well, hey. we're actually playing them this week. Um, I don't. I I think it's it's exactly as Klopp has said that they've not invested enough in the in the summer, and mm-hmm. um, they put all their eggs in a basket signing Darwin Nunes, who you know looks to be a, a good signing. Um, and obviously, they're still relying on Salah. They lost Mane, but c- central midfield wise, I don't really apart from you know Fabinho sits, sits obviously off the ball a bit and Tiago can be hot and cold. Yeah. They don't seem to have a good enough midfield to, to be anywhere near the top 4 at the moment.
0: Yeah, and and touching on uh, Darwin Nunez, uh, whenever I say that name I always get that image of that guy who sings on TikTok and it's like <laughs> Yeah, the Welsh fella. Um, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> um but um we've done a new, uh, Darwin Nunez, we know that, that there's a player in there. Um he's, he's obviously a gifted football player, but £100 million. It was a bit of a trigger signing for Liverpool, in my opinion. It was a case of looking at the market. Who can we bring in? Who's going to make an impact? And he, he just hasn't, has he? He hasn't made that impact they wanted. But it's not to say there's not a good player in there. No,
1: I think, you know, he, he, he looks like he just needs a good run in the team yeah. of scoring a few that come off his knee, off his shoulder, and, you know, he, he'll probably go. But I also think he's been overshadowed by how good Haaland's been as well. I think those two came in, didn't they, at the same yeah. time? Yeah. The two, two challenging teams, you know, both both very similar players, really. Tall, quick, yeah. long-haired strikers, obviously from very, very different parts of the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think they've probably been compared, compared a little bit too much for me um, in terms of what they've been brought to do. Um, yeah. Obviously, Haaland, has been the best player in the world, and you know, Nunes, Nunes has been hot and cold. But I do think that Liverpool will sort it out. I think again, I've said, I keep saying this. Nobody knows what the Premier League will look like after the World Cup, based upon injuries, superstars that end up, you know, shining for their country and you know get snapped up in in January, because obviously normally we used to having a summer World Cup where you know teams have done all their research prior, but everyone gets a break and then they come back for pre season. We're going straight back into the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. Um I know that a lot of the clubs I think clock's been very vocal as those Pep. This is a mini preseason and they'll be playing friendly as a throughout. Um so we may see some of the some of the top teams um that are on the verge of the you know the Champions League places actually come back stronger based upon having abreast the players that are carrying niggles getting a proper rest. Yeah. Um or we can see the opposite and their superstars get burnt out of the World Cup and pick up niggles and then, you know, before you know it you're you'll panic it by an in January.
0: <laughs> and do you know what? We, we are going to see that because, um, you know, th- this big winter break for the world cup, it, it is going to change the dynamics of the premier league. And um, one day sport teeth listeners, we are touching on the premier league in this particular area. Um, it, it was an 89th minute winner at Liverpool for Somerville. We just touched on him 21 years old doing that at Liverpool with those Leeds fans going crazy, it must have just been such a moment, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I think it the first time Liverpool have lost in a number of games as well, hadn't they? I hope. Like, yeah, succession, um, yeah. I can't remember how many it was off the top of my head, but yeah, I, the Leeds look good as well. I think they've, they've actually managed to re- reignite their season a little bit. I know there was talk of, of Jesse March potentially losing his job a few weeks ago, but. Um, I I think that they're looking okay now. Um, I think they've actually pulled out quite a way out of the relegation places. Um, yeah, they're sitting at twelve at the minute. Yeah. Um, sort of solid five points off bottom as well. So I think their their worries are a little bit eased by the fact that there are some very poor teams down the bottom in the Premier League that are, are really are struggling at the moment too.
0: Yeah, and and I'm I'm so glad you chose Leeds because. Leeds United uh, supporters who listen to the channel, it must just be. I mean, I don't know whether you're enjoying it or not, but it's certainly what you would call a roller coaster. And I mean, if you're spectating against the game against Bournemouth, what a 4 3 thriller that was. Somerville starts the game with a bang, the man of the moment, by winning a penalty in the first minute. That catapults um, Rodrigo into scoring again. It, Rodrigo scoring again for Leeds can only be good because it seems like when he's scoring goals they tend to win
1: yeah we, we I think it was my hot take on episode 2 or 3 um, how he started the season he'd gone very very sort of not heard anything from him he didn't think he was scoring scoring regularly but that obviously coincided with Leeds having a bit of a blip in form yeah um, I think the way that Leeds play is exactly how they played under Bielsa it, it is just solid solid attacking play getting as many men forward as possible um, which obviously constantly leads them to the counter attack, which yeah. was why they conceded three goals on Saturday and obviously scored four. Um, I I think Leeds will be okay again this year. Oh, I I don't think that they've got anything to worry about really moving forward. They've got a tough game before the World Cup though. They
0: are playing against Tottenham on Saturday. Um, that will be very interesting to see. That be that'd be a very good game, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, especially the way the way that Spurs play. You know the the standard Conte um, style of football. I think. They may succumb to to a bit of a pace, and I think just on the basis that you know the the, the flair and the attacking players that Spurs have going forward, that there'll be no no second chances needed for, for Kane's son Richarlison if yep. they get those opportunities to score. Um, I actually
0: agree. Yeah. So, uh,
1: sorry, just to touch on it as well, they the Leeds Leeds are playing in the League Cup this this week as well, midweek. They've got Wolves away. Obviously, Wolves are. I've probably got bigger bigger worries than playing in the League Cup third round at the moment.
0: And that'd be a tricky game for Wolves as well. Just touching on now, looking at Leeds and Bournemouth, Dan, we've made these comparisons before, but they're very much too good for the championship. Yet when they come into the Premier League, they they, they seem to struggle. I know, I know we've just looked at Leeds and we've seen that they are 12th, they're doing well. Bournemouth are one of those clubs that fall under that bracket where we've seen them just literally blow the championship away at a canter. And when these teams come up into the Premier League, we've touched on it many times before in the in in the podcast. But it, it's a strange sort of limbo for these clubs because they've they've got extreme talent. I mean, you're looking at Bournemouth; they've got Taverner, who's who scored, uh, Billings, who's a great player. Um, but you know, are, are we looking at Premiership Premiership quality with these players?
1: Not really for me for me for Bournemouth. Um you can see the thirty two goals in fourteen games. Mm. Like that that I know a lot of the a big chunk of that was the the pace and they got at Liverpool. Yeah. Um however they, they just the plays that they sign, you know, it's all sort of like I think they do do the standard thing. Let's sign these players that, you know, are very good championship players, see if they can step up. If they can't, we'll get relegated, but we'll still have them, you know, and then they'll establish themselves back in, we'll be in contention as a result of Having signed these players, I think that's a, that's a very used thing by the promoted clubs. Yeah, uh, and
0: and and that, that's what I'm touching on. So what I'm saying is, is is that a now it's obvious, but is that now a blueprint from a lot of these clubs that come up and down from the Championship? You know, sign the young players, get them on these sort of not so much inflated contracts, but long term contracts, and just see if they can eventually flourish in the in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think Fulham yeah. have done it. Been the only exception to that this year, haven't they? And they've managed to. Pull themselves into a very good position at this stage of the year.
0: Yeah, exactly that. Um, moving on from Leeds down in the Premier League, I'm going to touch on Aston Villa. Now it's been um, it's been a, a roller coaster again for Aston Aston Villa. None none more so than with the uh, sacking of Steven Gerrard. I mean, again, we've covered Steven Gerrard a lot this season. Um, someone who was brought in to bring back those European glory days to the midlands uh, it didn't work out at all they now find themselves with unite Emery the 51 year old uh, Spaniard what do you make of that dan
1: I, I just don't quite understand that that move personally um they're two different, completely different styles of, of coaches aren't they in terms of what you'd expect Gerard to bring yeah to, to Emery I mean emery's had success almost everywhere he's been. Um, he's obviously an excellent European coach. Did okay at Arsenal um, in terms of, you know, I think they won a few FA Cups, didn't they? And, and, you know, we're competitive. But yeah, for Villa, I'm not not sure it's going to be the right move for me. Uh, what it's, are your thoughts?
0: It's interesting. Well, he's come in and, and, and basically his statement has been, he wants Europe. He wants to bring European football back to Aston Villa. That was what the owners wanted with Stephen Gerrard. They wanted to build you know, a young, vibrant European side to not only sort of push for those higher places in the Premier League, but also have a good run in Europe because we know what that brings to football clubs and and the supporters. Um, Having recently been to Villa Park and seen a game uh, played there, I'm telling you, Dan, I'm not sure if you've been to Villa Park, but it's absolutely beautiful. It's one of those old-styled football stadiums which holds that fantastic atmosphere. I can see why so many people hold it in such high regard. It deserves European football. And when you see Villa Park sitting there, they're a huge club, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I I actually went to a corporate event there years ago um, and got the -the behind-the-scenes tour and... For me, it's my favourite ground in, in English football. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: I, I sec, I, I second that after being there. Yeah. We
1: talk about character and things like that. Of you know the older stadiums, you have got Fulham's, City Grounds, um, Loftus Road. They're, they're all lovely, but Villa is actually an elite football stadium as well. They somehow yeah, managed yeah. to to go with the times, and you know the whole end such an impressive stand. Yeah. Um, everything about it, it's just it's just it's just top end and and fantastic. Um, I don't think that they're ever going to get European football. That's a big statement to make, but who who are they replacing out of the top six?
0: Yeah, I know. And, and, and I think, obviously, that's what you uh, and I, Emery, needs to look at, you know. Um, if you look at his career, you know, with um, starting at Valencia, Sevilla, PSG, Arsenal, you know, he's been at the big clubs and recently Vill- Villarreal. So I I, su- I suspect the Aston Villa owners are looking at his record in Europe, you know, he did quite well with Arsenal, I believe, in the Europa Europa League, and and they're looking at that, and you know, potentially, it's a gamble that's worth taking in their eyes. But um, it, it, looking at their results recently, it's been a bit of a strange one. Obviously, um, they were taken over by um, the coach uh, who was who was in there. I think his name, I can't, his name escapes me at the minute. Um, was it was it Daka? or Danks, sorry, Aaron Danks took over and got a very impressive 4-0 victory against Brentford. I mean, for them to come out and smash Brentford 4-0 with Danny Ings on fire was, was yeah. very impressive. And then the following week, they go and lose to, obviously, the inform Newcastle. But, um, yeah, I mean, if we're pushing on to recent results, Emery comes in, they beat Manchester United 3-1. So, yeah,
1: it, it, they played really well as well. I think they rode their look at times, I think. I had Ronaldo been on form me. He has a header early on when it was one one or two one nil or two one. Yeah, um, and I think it's a different game if he scores that. But um, Leon Bailey looked very good again. I think if he can keep fit and not get these niggling injuries, um, I think he he could go to the very top of being one of the be- better players in the Premier League as well.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: yeah. Really, really liked him. I liked him from some of his Leverkusen days. Um, they have got the good core of young players. Jacob Ramsey looked fantastic as well. Um, yeah. You know, had it been a summer World Cup, it might be another one to discuss for an England for an England call up. But um, I don't know with Villa. I think their best chance of getting into Europe is going to be going all the way in the FA Cup or the League Cup, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I mean, like you said, when you touch on the top six of the Premier League, and you and you then mention Aston Villa's Aston Villa's name in that bracket, you sort of think, well, no, they're not at that level yet. Um, you touched on Leon Bailey. He is the Leon Bailey we all expected at the moment, isn't he? You know, We expected this pacey, uh, very technical winger to come into Aston Villa. We didn't really see it, but he's, he's sparking up now, isn't he?
1: Yeah. Um, again, he, he, he seems to be one that if, if he can keep injury free and get everyone in the team, he gets there. But like, like most players that, that are wingers they get these niggles and then these niggles lead them out for two or three games and then before you know it, you know, you're you're back, back down the pecking order. It takes them a while to get back in. Maybe under Emery, it might be something that he, he thrives on. Um, but I, I do think that he, he he can be one of those players it's just it's just unlocking that key isn't it and getting the consistent form in the
0: yeah i mean you touched on the cristiano ronaldo header which almost gave the equalizer to manchester united but between the sticks for aston villa they've got a man mountain in martinez um when you see the guy in the flesh he truly is <laughs> huge uh, a very dominant display against Manchester United and almost sort of clawed that victory for them. He's going to be so um, so key to this Aston Villa team if they're going to get success under Emery, aren't they? Isn't
1: he? Yeah, I mean that's the biggest. <laughs> it's the biggest mistake that that um, Arsenal made was getting rid of him. Really, I mean I know that they've got keeping Ramsdale, but um, I mean Martinez. He, he just came in out of nowhere, didn't he? he? Had that good run in the Arsenal team. They didn't want to renew his contract, I think, and he left or did he get? Was it a low fee that they sold him to Villa for.
0: I think it's quite a low fee, yeah, yeah, then, which, which was strange for me, and, really. But... And
1: now for me, you know, he's top five in the Prem Easily, yeah,
0: easily, yeah, yeah, absolutely dominant display. And um, before we move on to the fantastic EFL, just want to mention that Philip Coutinho. Yes, Coutinho is at Aston Villa. If you don't remember, I know he hasn't exactly done much recently. I love Philip Coutinho. I think he's a fantastic player. It's been confirmed that he misses the world cup he won't be going with brazil to the world cup because of injury which is a shame um uh, i'm sure brazil won't miss him they have an abundance of talent so uh, we may be may or may not be coming onto that later in hot takes um but uh yeah uh, coutinho out for the world cup um do you see that as a miss for Brazil or Aston?
1: Uh Any of my listeners that have not seen the Brazil team was announced yesterday. Yeah. Um, and I am not surprised that he's not in that team looking at their attacking options. There we go.
0: Coutinho misses through injury. Dan, let's move on to the EFL. What a fantastic... Um, we love the EFL, don't we? Um, let's start with the Championship uh Burnley very much at the top at the moment despite a 5-2 loss to Sheffield United but that is the beauty of the championship isn't it
1: yeah what what a week to be a Burnley fan Uh, (laughs) that that midweek result where they they scored 90 plus one and 90 plus 10 Yeah, Um, yeah yeah I can't remember who it was who they played actually at home weren't they um and then to go to you know Probably the only other rival, I think, that that are going to push them all the way this year in Sheffield United and get turned over. Um, I don't know. I think I think Burnley looked fantastic up until this week, and now even I'm questioning. But we know Alex, don't we? It's a championship. This kind of things to be expected. Exactly, <laughs> and that
0: that that was my point. Exactly. The beauty of the championship is you just never know. And looking at the championship table, um it's quite funny because you look at the top six. And then you scroll down and you look at the top 10 and then you scroll down, you look at the top 15 and you realise that it really is when you're talking about playoffs. It's anyone's game. And that is the championship is so competitive. And that's the reason why we love it. But it really is. You look at teams who are (sighs) languishing back. We mentioned Luton earlier, uh, Swansea, Millwall, Birmingham, Reading, you know, Reading has slipped very far back recently. But they're all teams that are, in. you know, even though they're lower in the league, they they, they could still very much easily have a run and get back into the playoffs, can't they?
1: Yeah. But on the contrary, you know, Reading could find them only five points
0: off the relegation zone now. Oh, that's that's miraculous, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I called it. I did say but mm. uh, <laughs> Reading had no business. You did. You did. you did. You um, did call it.
2: But you've got, to,
1: I mean, the fact that you're, you've you got West Brom, I dread to think, what well, their wage bill is sitting in the bottom and you looking poor.
0: Um, yeah. and, 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 uh, no, and, unless they play against QPR and beat us one nil, but there we go. Well, that's Q, that's yeah, QPR for
1: you. Obviously, they've changed their manager recently, haven't they? Yeah, um, I think yeah, Stoke, another big team, and probably got a, still quite a large wage budget as well, languishing yeah. down the bottom. Um, QPR though, still, still keeping in there. Can see that they've got a game in hand as well on, on the teams above them,
0: <laughs> yes. Uh QPR have had a little bit of a blip in form, but I think it's just going to be one of those seasons for QPR. I think as a fan base, we're used to it. You know, the games we're supposed to win, we turn up and lose. Uh West Brom, I would have expected with our current run of form for us to pick up three points at home, but... uh that's what you get for supporting a team like Queen's Park Rangers. You just never know. But um, And again, for being a club in the Championship, like we know, week in, week out, it is anyone's game. Now, League One, Dan, the beautiful League One, where Derby are flirting with the playoff places. It's it's just a lack of consistency for uh, Derby, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's it's incredibly straight. And I managed to get back again um, two weeks ago now, was it? Yeah. yeah. Um, for the game at home against Bristol Rovers, Joe Barton's Bristol Rovers. Um, we looked fantastic. First half hat-trick, David McGoldrick. Um, oh,
0: yes. That was a great hat-trick as well, wasn't yeah, it?
1: Yeah, James Collins back in scoring. Um, and then we go to Morecambe midweek and draw 1-1, miss two penalties. And you're thinking, how on earth are we, are we doing this? We just, wow. you know, Morecambe were a very, very poor side. Um, I'm sure we Morecambe fans won't won't dispute that fact. Um, they scored a worldie right at the end of the first half. After we'd missed one penalty, yeah. come back out, missed another one, and and we you know it was it was all all attack, defence, and fortunately we couldn't get a second goal. Um, our biggest problem, Alex, and and I don't know if any of our listeners are aware, of this is a derby have conceded. I think it's eight penalties since wow. Paul Wall, since Paul Wall came in. Yeah, um, all panel, all eight penalties as well have been conceded by different players. So wow. we've not got we've not got a corporate we've got a, a culture. Uh, yeah, and, and, is...
0: and Dan, you know, you, you touched on Derby missing two penalties there, and and obviously giving away eight this season. It you have to look at the discipline of the squad, don't you? Because you know if if you've got if you've got leadership out there and play, you know, it, it's it's the type of things that you need to cut out. You need to cut out giving away silly penalties, and also when you get those moments in the game, you know to sort of. You know, just edge yourself uh, towards victory. You've got to take them, and missing two penalties is just—you know—you've got no chance, have you?
1: No, it's, it's it's never gonna. You're never gonna get near it. I no. mean, Plymouth at the top have probably shown how to do it. Is they've they've got themselves out of the FA Cup, so that's one less game to worry about now for them. Um Forty forty-one points. I mean, Derby were on twenty-five points, so yeah. we're certainly not going to be winning the league this year. And look at Plymouth—they're
0: um, absolutely running away with it after seventeen games. It's, yeah, it's, it's impressive.
1: It's, the only thing you may think is that it's, it's a long season. It's Saturday, Tuesday now, all the way through. Um, are they going to burn out, potentially? Um, I think my pick would be Ipswich to win it. I think Ipswich look by far a better, better choice to go the full distance. But again, who, who knows at this level? Yeah, um, they,
0: they are hitting form at the moment, aren't they, Ipswich? Yeah, they,
1: they they taught us a lesson on how to win a football game when we played them um, a few weeks ago on a Friday. But Derby, Derby got a huge couple of games coming up. Um, we've got Milton Kuhn's, um away, MK Dons away on Saturday. Um, and then we've got for the following Friday, Portsmouth on a Friday night on, live on Sky. Uh, wow. I think I think that could be the game that makes or breaks our season really just on the basis that a win there puts you into the playoffs, no doubt about it, because Portsmouth are above us. Yeah. Um, lose that game and you're giving three points to a team that aren't going to be in the playoffs from the end of the season. And I don't think you're going to recover um regardless, because you know the team the form you've got to keep in, in League One to stay at the top is as is everybody knows is, is you've got to win your home yeah. games. Um and Derby just don't seem to be doing that enough at the moment.
0: No, it's very true. Now, Monday sportif listeners, if you listen to our podcast uh on a regular basis, you, you will know that we've got a strange, strange obsession with Leighton Orient. Uh there is good <laughs> reason for it, Dan's father-in-law. Is a Leighton Orient fan. I just so happen to like a good old fashioned East London football club, <laughs> and uh, they, they, they've picked up their form. They are now back on top of the pile with a game in hand. Oh, it's things you love to see, isn't it?
1: It is. They, we, we. I have, I have actively trying to to find a spare date in a diary to go. We would. Oh,
0: go. I want to go. Yeah, get me I back think, to Leighton Orient. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can I think it's tonight. They play. It was tomorrow. They play the game in hand away. At, um, AFC Wimbledon, which uh, obviously being London-based isn't too far for us to go. I think however, it's tonight. I think it's tonight. Yeah, however, it's sold out. We can't get a ticket. So yeah. um, some atmosphere that will be in, uh, in South West London tonight it, for that it, game.
0: It'll be great. And I know we touch on football stadiums. We had a good chat earlier about Villa Park. But AFC Wimbledon's a brand new football stadium, Plough Lane, or the new Plough Lane. And it, again, Monday Teeth listeners, if you get a chance to go there, it's fantastic. It's very compact, nice and neat. Great concourse for food and beers. It's a, it's a good day out, AFC Wimbledon. So uh, if you get a chance to go there, uh, give it a go. But uh, Leighton Orient, top of League Two. Like I said, things you like to see. Northampton Town still um, buzzing around the top as well, despite that uh, disappointment we spoke about last season on the last day of the season. Um, any, any, Anything else we want to look at, Dan, before we move on to our spot Just takes
1: just yeah just really the bottom again how tight yeah. that is those teams fighting for their lives not to fall out it's incredible um, isn't it and you you've got five points from 18th down to 24th so yeah you know that will be very interesting to keep an eye on that especially as these these leagues and these competitions are going to continue over over the next month as well
0: yeah and and just to touch on that dan i mean if, if there are football supporters out there who want to go and watch some neutral games that that those dog fights at the bottom in, you know, leagues like League Two are just fantastic to watch, aren't they? I mean, you get a true grit of football, don't you?
1: Yeah, and for me, uh, there's nothing better than, than going to watch football in, in the winter months as well. <laughs> uh, it's just it's just something about ra- you wrapping up warm and watching watching 22 men in, in shorts and T-shirts running around, kicking lumps out of each other.
0: Exactly. Now, it has been a busy time uh, for us Monday Sporty listeners. We are going to try and get to some games eventually this season. Um, And bring you the burger challenge along with from the terraces, which is a look at football stadiums and uh, giving you some insight into the ground and what that entails. Now, Dan, we've had a catch up with the EFL. It's been a fun packed episode this week. We are now moving on to our hot takes. Now, the hot takes have brought some fantastic um, moments with yourself. I've had some moments, too. Um, What are we going for this week, Dan? We'll go with you first.
1: So, my hot take for this week is that Jude Bellingham is going to win the player of the tournament in the World Cup.
0: What a beautiful hot take. I like it. It spells um, that England are going to have a good competition. And uh, yeah, Jude Bellingham, we touched on him at the beginning of the podcast. What a fantastic player to watch play football.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's. I think come the next round, the next round of the World Cups, so I think he'll be a good captain. Um, I think he'll be playing some football somewhere in England um, or at Real Madrid or Barcelona, um, should they sort the finances out in La Liga. Yeah. Um, and I think he becomes the best player in the world within the next four years. So I think it starts in this World Cup. He's going to go out and absolutely smash it, score a few goals, get a few assists um, and take England all the way.
0: What a wonderful hot take. I like it. Now, the ramp I'm going to move on to my hot take. It is an obvious hot take, but it's one I am passionate about. And I think we need it. I think the world of football needs it. And I am going to go with my hot take. The Seleçao, yes, Brazil, are going to perform a dominant. And when I say dominant, I mean just absolutely blast this World Cup in Qatar and win it comfortably and in style. So I don't just think it's going to be one nil and two. I think they're going to just take this world cup by storm and win it in glorious Brazilian fashion.
1: Um, I, I actually don't disagree. You know, the, rom- the romances around England is, is obviously just, just a, bit, a bit of silliness. I do think that Bellingham will win the, the best player of the tournament. But that Brazil team that has recently been released, I know I touched on it earlier, talking about Coutinho, um, they're back to their best, aren't they?
0: Yeah, and and do you know what? Brazil haven't won the World Cup since, since 2002. The world needs this Brazil squad. I absolutely love it. It's the first Brazil squad. I, I mean, I can just look at it over and over again. It's the first Brazil squad I've seen since 1994, where I've just gone Wow. It's brilliant. I mean, like you said, they've got the two best goalkeepers in the world in Edison and Allison. They've got Danny Alves. I mean, the ever, the evergreen Danny Alves. We all <laughs> love him. You've got a uh, Marquinhos at the back, Thiago Silva. You know, you've got that, that rich sort of uh, football. What's the word you want to use for those two players? They've just got so much experience and pedigree, pedigree and experience. You've got Casemiro who's doing it for Manchester United gumirez who's running the show at newcastle i mean the list goes on um that's not even talking about the attacking no, options no. they've got in venetius junior there i say neymar junior and uh, and the like it's just yeah for me um it's going to restore the glory days of the world cup they're going to lift that glorious cup with those canary yellow jerseys there's my hot take dan what do you think
1: I I completely agree. To be honest, I think if it's if it's not England, I would like it to be Brazil. Just just as a as a football fan, you know, that grew up in the nineties and, and and the noughties and and saw those great Brazil sides, uh, you know, your Ronaldo, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Cafu, you know, Claberson, all these players that you know have just just been the the superstars of the day, and to see yeah. that now go full circle, and you know, the young the youngsters of today growing up seeing the likes of Neymar and, like you say, uh, Vinicius Jr. Um, and these are now the superstars of their day. It, it's quite nice. It just feel fills you with warmth that the it, it Brazil
0: are back to the best. <laughs> it does. And I'm so much looking forward to it. I'll be shocked if they don't lift the World Cup. Absolutely shocked. And that's why it's my hot take, Dan. Now, listen... We are closing out the show, Monday Sportive listeners. It's been uh, great this week. Um, I will touch and say that hopefully the sound quality is a bit better. We did have a bit of a a mare last week. Apologies for that. Um, Now, touching on uh, the World Cup, we'll just sail out with this one, Dan. This is a, a question for you and Monday Sportive listeners. See if you can beat Dan the Ram to the post. Now, the top scorers at World Cup is littered with superstars. But who is the current top goal scoring player in World Cup?
1: I know. Do you want me to, want me to say the answer? Yeah, go
0: on.
1: I think it's Miroslav Klose.
0: Miroslav Klose. Now look at the list of players you've got in there, and Klose. You know, did he set the world alight? I don't know. But he's top goal scorer in World Cups with 16 goals. That is mightily impressive. And he just sort of sneaked up on everyone. I mean, how did he do that? Uh, I, I don't really
1: remember him being around before 2006. So. <laughs> did mm. he just do it in two World Cups? I don't know. Yeah, I know he, Ronaldo he, broke it in 2006. And obviously yeah. Germ- Germany went went deep twice, didn't they? And obviously won it. But I don't think he played in 2014.
0: No, and and sixteen goals is mightily impressive. He does eclipse the Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo, um, with with fifteen goals. Uh, it's it's just you wonder who's gonna, you know, who's gonna push those boundaries. Um, just looking at the list, in uh, we've mentioned the top two. You've got Gerd Muller for Germany with fourteen, just Fontaine for France. I mean, I'm not, you know, my football knowledge doesn't reach that far, but he scored uh, 13 goals in six games. G- I mean, Gary Lineker up there. So, yes, just to finish off this list of the top six, we've got Pelé in fifth with 12 goals. He's he probably made most of his up there. Yeah, Jürgen <laughs> Klinsmann, the Jürgen Klinsmann with 11. And I'll just mention some honourable mentions with Gary Lineker with 10, Roberto Baggio with 9, Christian Vieri with nine, Rivaldo with eight and Maradona with eight. I mean, there's some players in there, isn't there?
1: Yeah, who knows? Harry, well, Harry Kane's on six, isn't he, following the last World Cup? So, you know, he's only got, only got a score three and he's took over Maradona.
0: Wow, there we go. So that could be interesting. Anything else to add before we go, Dan?
1: No, that's it. Obviously, we keep an eye out on our socials for some World Cup content from Monday Sportif
0: indeed and Monday's teeth listeners again we always mention if you follow us on Twitter and Instagram you can also subscribe to the podcast so you're aware of when, when we post in advance um, from that uh, what Dan just said we are going to be doing some World Cup content so expect us on spaces and recording some podcasts over the winter period take care one two